Welcome to the Michael Myers Minute, where we delve into the 1978 horror classic one minute at a time. I'm your host, Robert Black. And we have a guest with us, Niall McGowan of Bat Minute. Uh, welcome back, Niall. Hey, I'm back. The man behind the mask, and I'm out of control. <laughs> oh, it's the wrong franchise. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> yes, that's Friday the 13th. Yeah, that's that's where Michael Myers' failing was, that like he never teamed up with any rock gods. He doesn't have a theme song. Yeah, yeah, because like they tried that the Halloween 2 with the Mr. Sandman business. But... Well, he teamed up with Rob Zombie eventually, but that was in a different way. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, that's maybe that's why he didn't have quite the same level of brand recognition, because Freddy had Dawkins for Dream Warrior. Years. Oh yeah, fucking Jason got Alice Alice Cooper, Alice Cooper. <laughs> and then Michael's like, no, it's just like uh, just uh, John Carpenter tickling the ivories. That's all I need. Now we were talking last minute about Michael driving. Uh, I have a, a note here that Michael has a very nice hand over hand style of steering for the turn. <laughs> like someone who definitely knows how to drive properly. Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't drive that way, but I know I was taught to drive that way. That's the thing is, can Nick Castle? Can he take credit for this? Is it him? Is it definitely him in the car, or is this somebody else? This would probably be Nick Castle. Yeah, someone to... except for moments that you know it's someone else. It's usually Nick Castle. Yeah. He dream of podcasts like this to be like. I wonder if someone's going to notice my nice driving technique someday. <laughs> <laughs> and then this is like be on his deathbed hearing this. He's like, finally. Well, there you go, Mister Castle. Your driving style is wonderful. It's textbook. <laughs> And about second 20, we can see the windows to the classroom Lori was looking out of in minute 16 when it was pretending to be the high school. Hmm. That's the thing, because I, I just wonder what type of day it is. Because, like, I guess Tommy could just be going to another class, but then was he out for, like, a toilet break? Or and then why was Lonnie and everyone out? The elementary school just got out earlier than the high school. Oh, I guess, yeah. I guess that makes sense. A little bit. So then has Michael been just hanging about for six hours outside? or It could be just ten minutes. You know? Has he gone, got lunch, and come back? or <laughs> What's happened? <laughs> he went and made a new friend, had some lunch, came back in time for school to be out. <laughs> He's just like, the kids still get out at like three, don't they? <laughs> Around there, probably, yeah. Like checking his watch constantly. <laughs> it's like, I wonder if we can stalk anybody else for a while. Just, just to see what some of the old gang are up to. I love that Tommy here, you know, understandably emotional about his lost pumpkin, is walking with like his thumbs hooked into his back pockets and looking all bitter. So he doesn't notice the station wagon following him because he's got other things on his mind. Mm. I should mention, because, it's, you know, we got a real big blast of uh, the Halloween theme here. I actually saw John Carpenter perform this uh, two years ago. I went to see him live in concert, doing his, um, I, think he's, I think he's still touring. I think he's coming back to the UK, actually. You know, doing all his film themes and the Lost Themes album as well, which is a, an excellent, um, it's a fantastic live show, if you've, if you've not seen it. Does he do any Coupe de Ville songs from his band? You know, weird, weirdly enough, because the whole thing, it is a, it's a real big production, too, because like, he, like, I think he opened with uh, the theme to Escape from New York, and he comes out and he's got all these screens around him on stage, and then... Because uh, you hear that in the movie, it doesn't sound as big, but on stage it's as big as a house. And then it kind of got into like the, the you know, da, 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 and then everything, the screens lit up behind him, and you got the digital outline of New York, and the crowd went nice. crazy. Because then you're getting all clips from Escape from New York and yeah. stuff. And uh, the weird thing is though, because he kind of he had all the big ones up front though, so you got like you know, Escape from New York, and you got like Assault in Precinct 13, which is like one of my favorites of his. Like, Halloween was, like, maybe the fifth one in. 
And you got like you get things like um you'd play you know the theme to Big Trouble in Little China, but it was kind of like I don't even remember that one. Yeah, that's the thing, because it's not the most memorable theme, but the crowd were going crazy because he was just showing clips from the movie, okay. and you just remembered how good a movie it is, and you're like, <laughs> oh yeah, that's, this movie's crazy. Like, yeah. People are just applauding him, like, oh, you made that, that's great, good for you, man. <laughs> I think his, his encore was the theme to Christine, oh. and it's like, you're kind of thinking, you might have wanted, you would have wanted to hold back your Halloween till then, yeah. because it was, the, it was the night before Halloween that I saw him, so you think it would have been like the end of the show. Or a different part of the Halloween music. Yeah, yeah, totally. Start with some Halloween, end with some Halloween. He did a kind of a suite of all the stuff from The Fog. And The Fog's a, it's a movie and a theme. I only kind of came around to in more recent years. I remember seeing it quite a while back and not liking the movie and been like, was it Pirate Ghost? This is really stupid. Yeah. And then not <laughs> I think in the, the theme tune was really bombastic and overblown. And then I rewatched it like a year or two back. And the, the, just from the opening scene of the, the, the guy on the beach telling the story, and it's the really subtle piano music. Yeah. I'm like, this music's awesome. And then like two hours later, I'm like, this film was great. Why, why didn't I like it before? <laughs> yeah. I just rewatched The Fog last week. I didn't understand my own beef with the movie. It's like, oh, the pirate ghost. I don't care as pirate <laughs> ghosts because he, he, he does so well with them. So I do have to say, uh, over the years, I've sort of developed more of a love for... You know, I obviously love the Halloween theme that he's performed here on the, the piano-based version. Yeah. I've kind of grown a real soft spot and almost kind of prefer the really hokey synth version in 2. Yeah. Because I think it's more... It's got more of a kind of... I don't know, like a Halloweeny charm to it. Like it sounds more like, yeah, this is a this is from a a, a horror movie you'd watch in Halloween. This one sounds a bit kind of classier. Yeah, and I kind of prefer the 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 more sort of dated, you know, click 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 click, like the the really sort of almost goofy sounding synth of the the second one. And it's like oh, I think I had to choose between the two of them. Plus, the the second one adds in a lot more ominous pipe organ and stuff on top of everything. And uh, I just love that opening credits when the, the the pumpkin splits open and you see like the the face inside. Yeah, I've kind of even though that Halloween Two is a movie, I can kind of like, eh, it's 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 all right, but it's it's not the best of them by any means. You know, it's no. not the worst of them either <laughs> at all. But um, at, at the the opening credits though, I think are like the best of the whole series. It's just the visual and that music. I think the the most horrifying thing in Halloween Two to me is that kid getting the the razor blade stuck in his mouth. Yeah, that's the only thing. I think at any of the movies, I'm like, oh, because oh, yeah, because you can see his bloody tongue. And that's the idea of that blade. happening. Plus, it's the fact that like. I think that was a, you know, obviously you'll talk about that a lot more when you get to Halloween 2, yeah. but that was a scare, wasn't it, in, like, the... Cause I know from watching Freaks and Geeks that they have, like, oh, yeah, there was a thing in, like, the, the late 70s, early 80s, people were spreading the rumor. Oh, yeah, people thought it would happen to just strangers. Yeah. The, the, but in reality, it only happened to people who, like, they did it to a kid they knew. Yeah, yeah. And there were stories about people putting drugs in candy, but like the razor blade thing, I think it happened once and it was to someone that someone knew. Yeah. But then it just went around the country that like that was going to happen anywhere. Mm. That's, I mean, that's a real, it's a, it's a real dick move though. <laughs> like, like, oh yeah. Why you would want to do that to anybody? And yeah, it's, it's the one thing in, the fact it's so lodged in his mouth, and you're just watching this poor kid sitting. It's like, oh, that's the one thing. Anything else in that movie I can take, but <laughs> like that, that that poor kid with the razor blade in his mouth, just like, oh man, that's really messed up. With modern forensic evidence, it seems like it'd be a bad move too. Like they know what house you were at, where you gave away that apple or whatever with a razor blade in it. You're gonna leave fingerprints if you aren't careful. Mm. You know, just don't put razor blades in food, and if you do, I guess wear gloves. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. <laughs> that's just some sound advice you could end the episode that just feel Word like of advice <laughs> <laughs> <Anywho>. <laughs> 
<laughs> so second 30 michael drives away for some reason we have to interpret of course mm. he realized oh the high school's getting out i gotta go deal with that yeah i thought i just kind of took it that he's more that he had the he knew that this wasn't particularly subtle if he's slowing down and just watching him He's going to like, this kid's going to notice me doing this eventually. So, and I'm very yeah. close to him. He's going to see immediately that it's some weirdo in a mask and, you know, potentially tell his parents or the police or whatever. So he's just like, all right, I'll better. And if he was listening earlier from the Myers house, he knows Tommy and Lori are going to be in the same place later anyway. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I do wonder though. Um, we can go see if she's easier to follow. <laughs> I, I like the idea though, because we get this, you know, as you mentioned in the previous minute, it's not a POV shot from Michael, no. but I like the idea that maybe Loomis actually had somebody in the back of the car the whole time <laughs> this person's still just sitting there, there. there just like so uh yeah some guy you gonna let me out soon buddy come on it's like it's like right dude sat here for seven hours watching the school jesus come on like, hey kid get me out of here <laughs> but tommy can't hear or maybe this guy's just like oh you know it's either this or i go uh into the asylum so like yeah i'll go for a ride with this guy let's just yeah. see what he's doing so we cut to a highway and a highway sign that says haddonfield 73 miles um, and we get an IMDb goof, which we were talking about last time, uh, but you can clearly see mountains <laughs> in the background, even though in Illinois mm. you would not get mountains like that. Uh, that's it. It's ruined, it's ruined the whole movie now. If you look at this location today in like Google Earth, you can't see the mountains oh. because there are buildings and trees. <laughs> but it's also, it doesn't look like it's out in the middle of nowhere. It looks like it's the middle of a city. Yeah. Those are arguable mountains as well. Yeah, they're like, not that big. Yeah, they're kind of just hills. <laughs> More than, that's what I would call them myself. <laughs> God knows I'm not an expert on uh, <laughs> that kind of thing. The filming location is the, roughly the intersection of Old Ranch Road and South Brea Canyon Road in the city of Industry, California, which is about 30 miles from South Pasadena. Mm. And it is much more built up today and looks more like a city. But yeah. one of the yeah. power poles is still the same pole. Oh, I was going to ask if the if the booth's still there. No, I think they put the booth there for the movie. Mm. Oh, yeah, it would make a lot more sense. Cause, but the thing is, like phone booths are somehow surviving everything yeah. like there's, for some reason there's still maintained phone booths around the world yeah there's still some out there even though i'm you know because i live in a city and i'm fairly certain they're exclusively used for people to do heroin <laughs> and potentially urinate in like that's the extent of well that's important you need a place for that <laughs> but it really is like I, if i was stuck without a phone i would never even think now to be like oh there's a pay phone because you're just so like why would you have them but they're still there they're still freaking everywhere so uh, I would not have been surprised had that been a real booth, and they're like, "Yeah, it's still there. It's still, you know, people still use it <laughs> somehow. You know, maybe we we don't get to the reverse angle in this minute, but the trees and bushes where the dead body is, those aren't there anymore. Mm. Like it's a driveway next to right next to the tracks. Like those plants are gone. Yeah. So the the location actually looks a lot different today. I do say like a little bit more of a Sam Loomis's intense building up of Michael Myers here as well. I just wonder, is he like this with, like, yeah. everything? Like, if he has, like, a bad cup of coffee, is he just like, this, that coffee was just the, it was the singular, most despicable thing, the most detestable item <laughs> I've ever put, it was, like, so, to look into it, it was so black, it was blacker than the soul of the, the <laughs> just like, stop it, so, stop, just calm down, just calm the hell down, dude. Now, in the script and the novel, Loomis talks to his wife on the phone first. And even though I assume he lives nowhere near Haddonfield, like he probably lives closer to Smith's Grove, it's 150 miles from Haddonfield, he tells his wife, when they come around trick-or-treating tonight, why don't you just not answer the door? <laughs> I know it's ridiculous, but just this once. I'm like, 
<laughs> he's very paranoid, but maybe he thinks Michael might go after him. Uh, like he knows where he lives. Because <laughs> that's, that, that, that's standard practice for me, though. It's like, I'm not answering the door to kids. Are you crazy? Yeah. So like, I'll, I'll, it's like, oh, I'll, I've never answered the door to a trick-or-treater in my life. <laughs> We would either go into the back room and play games so there's no lights at the front of the house, or yeah. we'd go to a church movie night, because our church would have movie nights every Halloween so that people could get out of their house yeah. and not have to deal with trick-or-treaters. Though, that's the thing, though, because you say you grew up with the movies, but not the, the holiday itself. Yeah. But would they show in Halloween, or would that have been deemed like, well, it's violent, and it... No, yeah. no. They would show a nice, like, family-friendly film. <laughs> Darby O'Gill and the Little People or something. It was sponsored by the high school. I think the junior class mm. used it to make money, but it was a nice family-friendly movie. Yeah. So you didn't have to deal with Halloween. Mm. You know, as I mentioned in previous minutes, I, I, I distinctly I remember the first time I saw this movie, like what was on, they had a big special thing of like, Halloween's on because it's Halloween. Whereas like in the, Halloween's become much more of a bigger thing, like the holidays become a much bigger thing since I've been an adult. Yeah. Like, it's always been a thing I've known about and really wanted to get into. And it was celebrated a little bit when I was a kid, but it was more of a sort of American thing. And we just got a lot from seeing American TV shows where they'd have like Halloween specials and stuff. Whereas over here, it's like you wouldn't get the day off for it. You definitely uh, wouldn't get the day after off for it. It was very much like maybe some kids would dress up and maybe you'd get a a couple of movies on and that was about the extent of it but now it's like the stores are taking over mid-september with halloween stuff you're getting pumpkins thrown at you friggin' left and right it's like there's just no stopping the thing like i think I, it's only in recent years though i think the first time i made a jack-o'-lantern i was like 23 or something because it was the first time i had access to the pumpkin to do it <laughs> i do remember i was very proud of it though because i had um uh, i'd actually gone to the effort of carving you know typical for me years before i even started the podcast I did uh, the bat symbol as the mouth, nice. but a kind of weird warped version of it, and then did the eyes, and then I painted the rest of the pumpkin, a kind of gray, scarecrow-y mask thing, and then plopped a hat on top of it, and it was like, <laughs> the scarecrow's head, but nice. the bat symbol's his mouth, and I was very proud of it. <laughs> and then after that, it was just like, I can't make any more of these, like, this is the best I'm ever going to do, <laughs> so I just quit, I just hung up my jack-o'-lantern days. I have perfected the jack-o'-lantern, I'm done. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm never going to top this, so that's... Never again. Why bother trying? <laughs> um, I will say, though, before, like, cause we're on Loomis, but uh, I did do a bit of research into Tommy, uh, or Brian Andrews, the guy who plays Tommy, who's okay. not done much recently <laughs> or since, but, like, he's a guy who seems to be very... He went on, he's the one who went on to be a police officer, right? Correction, <laughs> and I seem to mix them up a lot. I believe it is Will Sandin who played Michael Myers at age six. Became a cop. But he's the guy. He's very, very prepared to talk about Halloween, though. Uh, I remember I come across a Q and A of him on YouTube, where um, I think we we're mentioning it off mic. I think I think he has like pre-prepared answers that he's just desperate to get out. Because <laughs> someone asks him about, oh, what did, what do you think about like you know the whole concept that they were going to do something like Halloween three every time, where it'd be a completely different yeah. you know story, including different characters and all that kind of stuff. And then he starts instantly going to like, well, the franchise is what it is. Let me tell you about this one scene. And he just starts talking about the scene of Laurie walking across the street for a minute. Yeah, yeah, that's minute 72. And how long that minute is and how slow and creepy it builds up and all this stuff. And it has nothing to do with the question. But he is so ready to give that answer. He's just like, I've been sitting on this for freaking years. Like, I'm just dying to tell anybody about this. And then everything else about it is just like, he's he talks about like every, uh, when we made Halloween, as if he was like a big part of the production team and stuff. Like, he seems incredibly proud of it, as he should be, because it's a great movie. But it's just like, um, like every, every, 
from that particular Q&A at least. It's like as soon as someone asks a question, he barely waits for the question to be asked. He just starts speaking about whatever he wants to talk about in regards to Halloween. I would never try to insult Brian Andrews in any way. It didn't make him seem like the, the calmest of people. <laughs> it seemed like very overly enthusiastic, if anything else. But uh, so I know because we had a whole business of on that minute. Because like, at the beginning of that, we thought like, oh, we're never going to get anyone big. Yeah. So why even bother trying? So we did loads of episodes. And then towards the end, we invited Robert Wool, just thinking like, oh, why not? And he said yes. Nice. And he's like, yeah, I'll be on the show. And we're like, holy crap, Robert Wool's going to be on the show. And then we stopped, he stopped replying to messages. And we're like, I wonder why. Oh. And we kind of started figuring out like, oh, we make fun of Knox so much in the show. Oh. Maybe Robert Wool heard that and like took it really badly. <laughs> he listened and decided not yeah, to. Yeah, so like that's why I've never, that's I've so- never insulted Brian Andrews in case you should happen to get him on the show. Uh, I'm sure he's a terrific person. <laughs> so. When I was doing, I was going to have a party when I finished my year of watching Groundhog Day every day. I invited Stephen Tobolowski on Facebook. Oh, and the, the any luck? Weird thing was, no, he got back to me saying he'd love to do it, depending on his schedule. Really? But he got back to me a week too late. Oh, man. The party had already happened. And I'm like, oh, no. I almost had Stephen Tobolowski. Oh, that's good. Because he's like such a busy guy yeah. as well. Because like, he's in everything. So I would have thought he had given that the time of day. I met him later at a book signing and he was really nice too. But I was like, oh, you almost came. Uh, I know my one thing is because I'm a big, I'm a massive fan of talking heads. So my big, like, Stephen Tobolowsky thing is, like, I know that the fact that, in a roundabout way, the song Radiohead and the band Radiohead are actually named after him in that weird way. Like, I, I'm sure you've probably come yeah. across that yourself in, the, in, the, in various research and whatnot. I've heard that before, yeah. Yeah, but it's just, like, that's my one, every time I see him, I was like, that's him, that's the Radiohead guy. But, uh, <laughs> it's still, it, much like, you know, so so many actors are like, for no matter what else I ever see him in, Donald Pleasance is automatically, oh yeah, it's Dr. Loomis. Because like, that's what I know him from. Yeah. Just Stephen Tobolowsky is, every time I see him, seeing that guy in a million things. And so it's like, oh, it's Ned Ryerson. Yeah. Because that's what I know him from, yep. uh, first and foremost. Although Donald Pleasance for me is that, I'm not a big James Bond guy. Like, I don't really like James Bond at all. But the one... Oh, yeah, he's Blofeld. The, yeah, the one uh, I do like was You Only Live Twice. And it was entirely because of his betrayal of Blofeld. I love that. I love a good villain. And I love the the fact that they had, they had the whole build-up. You just see the, the cat. You don't see his face until the very end. And then you see he's got the weird, droopy eye scar. And, of course, ironically, then that would go on to be Dr. Evil and Austin Powers, <laughs> which was played by Mike Myers, Mike Myers et cetera, so et cetera. Back <laughs> but, together. Yeah, and of course now, like, you know, you only live twice. Been like, oh, it's the only Bond film I like. But it's like, oh, that's the one where he's like Sean Connery in like yellow face. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> ah, it's, I, I guess I can't really like that movie guilt free now anymore. <laughs> but I guess you just have to take take the rough of the smooth. Now, we were talking about Will uh, William Shatner a couple minutes ago because the mask. You know the old Saturday Night Live skit where he tells the the Trekkies to like get a life because one of them asks a really nerdy question. Uh, uh, like, if you haven't seen it, you might have heard about it, right? Uh, I was thinking, yeah, because Saturday Night Live, yeah, not a thing. Not that a thing was big where, where I grew up, so I've not really seen <laughs> right. a lot of it. Well, there's this, this thing where he's at a Star Trek convention and they ask a really nerdy, detailed question, and he's like, "It's not real. Get a life." And he, I'm afraid, like you were saying, Brian Andrews is really nice. Like if I meet him, I'm gonna have really nerdy questions for him. <laughs> Because I talked about it in a previous minute, and I'll talk a lot more later. His costume that he's wearing later in this movie cost me hours of <laughs> Google searches and looking at old department store catalogs, and it was insane. Because in 40 mm. years, no one has figured out what costume he's wearing. Well, to be fair, like, I think he seems, though, from what I've heard, from that one Q&A anyway, he seemed so enthusiastic. I can imagine he might, he might have a bit of time for that. Because you never know with some of these people. 
I always assumed that of Mark Hamill. Yeah. And then I remember one time uh, seeing him, he was, he was interviewed uh, by Kevin Smith as one of the rare occasions where it was, I think it was like a three hour interview and Kevin Smith barely talks because Mark Hamill's just so up for talking about everything. He talks about Star Wars and then it turns out he's like an insane knowledge on like voice acting because obviously he is a voice actor himself. But he knows like every old actor who ever did a voice way back in the day. He knows everything about them. And he's so enthusiastic about it. And he'll happily, Mark Hamill's the type of guy, like maybe not now because he's had the revival of you know Star Wars recently. But I imagine like 10 years ago, if you asked Mark Hamill anything at a convention about Star Wars, he'd probably start telling you unprompted about everything that happened on set because he's just so, he, he himself is just a big fanboy. He just loves that stuff. So you never know, like Brian, uh, Brian Andrews, because this is his meal ticket. Yeah. He's just like, yep, I'm, I'm Tommy. So by all means, like I'm prepared for all. As long as you ask, please, please do ask me about Laurie walking across the street, though, because I have so much, I have so much <laughs> passion for talking about that one scene. Apparently, now we're 19 minutes in, so by now maybe some really obsessive Halloween fans are listening. For you fans, I just want to let you know, I think I have solved what his costume is, but I won't talk about that for several minutes down the road when we first see it. Mm. But I think I know what it is. Maybe he could confirm it in person. Oh, that's a good hook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should try to get him for that minute of Laurie walking across the street. <laughs> now I need to, yeah. <laughs> Just to see. Cause... <laughs> like, so, Brian, you want to talk? But he's, a, he's a, one of the people I would be like, if you're going to go for anybody, he seems the type. Him or the, the girl who played Lindsay. Yeah. yeah. Well, she's a little too big now. Because she's on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Oh, is she? Oh, I didn't know. She'd probably be hard to get. Oh. Yeah. Oh, man. Crazy. But yeah, he'd probably be a good one. Yeah. Might as well ask though, like, what? Well, I'm here because you know. Although this, I don't want to date your show because it could be like, well, what? What uh, are you anticipate? Do you have high hopes for? I don't know what to call it. Halloween 2018. Because one thing I don't, I don't like the fact that it's just called Halloween now because then that's confusing. Because just like, well, you already have a Halloween, and then you had Rob Zombie's Halloween, and I've got a third movie just called Halloween. Well, that's what they did with Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street. And... Yeah, but at least those were remakes. This is this is the sequel now. That's like it's directly following on from the movie halloween and it's called halloween <laughs> it's like why call it anything else like call it halloween one point two at least call it like halloween 2018 yeah yeah exactly or halloween go with 40 like the h20 or something yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's h40 <laughs> i think the trailer makes it look good uh, yeah I've, I've had mixed feelings on the trailer myself because i'm weird i like trying to tie all the movies together even like the h20 to the earlier ones that they ignored so this one's problematic for me but I, it does look like it might be good because like there's a comic that connects six to h20 into the same timeline mm. and i like that comic because it does that i mean if this one doesn't work though you can just wait for halloween h60 when they just reboot it and get jamie lee curtis back in to play laurie schrode in 20 years time <laughs> no she'll play she'll play the new like dr Loomis. Oh. That's what she should oh that should have been a female doctor they should have done that with this one really the but... thing. <laughs> my one big hope though is that and i've been i was looking at the iron MDB cast list and I couldn't see any confirmation of it but the fact that this one apparently ignores the events of Halloween 2 as well yes and the, uh, which I guess I'm okay with because I never liked the whole oh it's his sister thing and that was a weird thing that they tried to keep throughout the whole nine yards of it I do hope, though, that, like, I've been keeping an eye out. Is anyone playing Ben Tramer in it? Because I would just love of, like, oh, Laurie and Ben Tramer eventually got together. Because he's not dead anymore. Yeah, he's managed to survive or something. And this is like, or you find out then that, like, oh, he's still died. So no matter what way you tra- try to change time. He still died yeah. that night. 
it was it's like the fate. um it's the, that star trek where, where it's like no it was, ben tramer was always destined to die no matter whatever way you do it oh city on the edge of forever yeah yeah <laughs> no matter what you do ben tramer dies like, like dr loomis was just in haddonfield <laughs> Like, Loomis was just in Haddonfield one night, and he's just like, is that Michael Myers? And just like, oh, wait, no, he's still locked up. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, we caught him. I shot him. He's fine. But uh, but that's my big uh, Tumblr ship is uh, Laurie and nice. Ben Tramer, or Lamer, <laughs> as, I, Lamer. as I call them. So, so get Lamer for life. I know in one of the trailers for the new movie, they specifically have a character be like, oh, I heard that was her brother. And it's like, no, someone made that up. Yeah, yeah. Like, they're letting you know this movie's ignoring that <laughs> before you get into the theater. Mm. I thought I was thing, and I've, I've had debates with people on when the trailer came out because my I had a mixed feeling in the fact that like I guess the trailer is doing what Doctor Loomis is doing this whole time, and where they're building up Michael Myers to be like the greatest, biggest evil entity of all time ever. Yeah, and yet if you take out all the other sequels, all Michael Myers has ever done is he killed his sister, and then he killed like three other people one night. But uh, people are treating him like he's Satan incarnate, and they're doing the whole thing of like standing away from him to show him the mask. Right, and stuff. you need you at least need Halloween two to make it seem like he was that bad because yeah. then he killed like a dozen people. Yeah, but no, he killed four if they even connected the mechanic to him. Mm. But then like, you get mixed signals as well because they're treating him because of the whole business. They're holding out the mask, and then at least in the editing, the it could be completely different in the finalized film where you see like everyone in the, the asylum's kind of acting up because of what as, as if something's in the air and it seems like oh there is something supernatural about michael myers which is fair enough that's a thing that's established in this movie he gets a freaking needle in the neck doesn't bleed out he gets shot six he gets shot six times he shot him in the heart and he's still going after that yeah so it's like oh there is something supernatural about him but then danny mcbride has been in interviews saying like oh yeah we're treating him more like a realistic thing like he's just a guy in a mask that's what it's always yeah. supposed to have been and it's like that's never john carpenter's always said that he's supposed to be like literally like a supernatural evil and stuff right. so it just seems very it's, it's a real weird cross purposes that trailer to me but again, they've got my money already. Like, I'll be there opening day to see the thing just for what it is. I'll always I'll always check out a Halloween movie when it comes out just because I've seen all the rest of them. So I might mm-hmm. as well see what, what the deal is. And him making the other patients feel weird goes back to the novel of this one as well. Oh. When he's younger, patients around him don't like being around him. Mm. He just see, uh, creeps them all out. Yeah. Well, what's your feeling on the uh, the Rob Zombie movies? Like, cause I think they had the fundamental misunderstanding, again, of like they, them, they try to humanize Michael Myers and make it like, oh, here's why he's like this yeah which is like there is no reason why i think if those weren't halloween and it wasn't michael myers mm. they're well-made movies uh, well, they're good horror films about a little kid who grows up to kill people yeah but they, yeah. when you put them into that context of this is a remake of halloween it i think it misses the mark because it turns it into something it isn't yeah Say like I, I I fundamentally kind of disagree with the the concept behind them and the fact that yeah again yeah. once they're trying to give you this rationale for a thing that they spent like an entire freaking character spends the whole movie running around talking about the fact that there is no rationale behind this character he's just evil um, <laughs> yeah. but I do love Malcolm McDowell in it. I think he's just terrific in the as Loomis yeah he was good as Loomis he was a good replacement and their version of Michael as well is brutal and large and scary which is interesting but not necessarily Michael I do wonder though like at some point when you have this guy who's like a you know violent kid who you know freaking slaughtered people and stuff and then once he's working out to the extent in the asylum yeah keep him away from the weights of like he's this man mountain <laughs> you think the guards at some point were like should we can we stop him from doing this because he's 
he's getting like he could like kill one of us within with a flick of his finger. He's that big. Don't give him too much protein or whatever it is you'd need to bulk up your muscles. We should probably like just make sure that no, you can't put the weights down, Michael. You're not you're not working out anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you would have to include that. But Loomis is just like, oh, he's fine. He's fine. Except he's evil. <laughs> Anything else for minute nineteen as to what's on screen? No, no. That's, okay. Uh, that, that's uh, that's that's that, that's me for uh, for for the, the you know the minute and the movie. This is this one detail at the end is important going into minute twenty uh, because the railroad crossing sound interrupts. There's a train coming. Loomis says his last line here because I know all mine is doctor. You must be ready for him. He pauses and the minute ends, and that is all for minute nineteen. Mm. It's a good line to end. Uh, it's a good line to end a, a minute on as yeah. well. <laughs> so many of them end like mid sentence or with nothing going on. This one, this is a good one. You must be ready for it. Mm, yeah, I think I know that from doing you know my own shows. It's like it's always good when you have a little a little cliffhanger. You're like, oh yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's always a blessing if it's the end of a week as well. You're like, oh, it couldn't be more perfect. Come on. <laughs> So uh, thank you for being with us, Niall. And remind the listeners one more time, how can they stalk you? Oh, well, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, you can just uh, get me uh, from, uh, we type in Bat Minute into Google uh, or Bat Minute 89. I, still, I think we'll still come up on that, but Bat Minute is the current banner. Uh, and yeah, we can find us on Twitter and Facebook and all of the major podcatchers, your iTunes and, and stuff like that. Uh, if you should so want to listen to me and my co-host John and a, and a plethora of other people talk about uh, you know the entirety of Tim Burton's 1989 Batman, we have that all done. We have a few hiatus episodes uh, dealing with the movies of Prince because you know he did the soundtrack, so why not? And then we've uh, the upcoming season of Batman Returns, which will be coming out should be start starting to come out in September. So looking forward to it. Yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> I love the those first couple with Tim Burton's. <laughs> Joel Schumacher's not so much, but Tim Burton's are great. That's the thing I've really discovered is like people are really up and willing for talking about the first two, and people really want to come back for Batman and Robin because they're like, oh, there's so much to talk about. But I'm, wor- I'm slightly worried about getting guests for forever because it's just like, yeah, people are just like, eh, it's the one is that it's just okay. You know? I'll guest on forever. I worked in a movie theater when that movie was on, and the useful thing going in is if you cut about an hour in the middle of that movie out, it still makes perfect sense. Because <laughs> I would often see the beginning of it and the end of it oh. when I wasn't cleaning theaters, <laughs> and it was fine. I forgot what was in the middle of the movie for a long time. Oh, well, make sure to get you back for a, a put me right in the middle when he's a like, moment exactly in the middle. Yeah, it'd be fun. <laughs> but yeah, you're more welcome to, to to come on anytime. Anyway, the Michael Myers minute is well you can stalk us on twitter and facebook at myers minute join our facebook listeners group 45 lampkin lane don't forget to subscribe leave us a nice review if you like what you hear until next time see you